0: Now, let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice, and let the people sing praises.
1: And some people you might consider a burr in your saddle and they're in agitation, it's difficult, and you might be yoked to them from here to eternity because they live in your house, they're a part of your family, they're in your trust, in your estate, or they have, they're tenured at your job and there's no way anyone's firing them. That's the way it works. And in this distinction, outwardly, it would seem unfair, like, Jacob isn't afraid to show his favoritism. He, okay, so the tunic... It can be multiple colors. It can be long. It is a coat of distinction. In the Hebrew, we know it's a coat of distinction. I don't know. It sounds silly, but just because Luke worked at Starbucks all those years, he had the, uh, the black apron, which means he knew he was a coffee connoisseur, you know, like he knew all the different coffees and which pastries you eat with the coffee, you know? and so when you walk into Starbucks and they got, everyone's got a green, you know, apron, and Luke's here the black apron, he's like, yes, I'm and like, ooh, you know, he's a coffee connoisseur, you know, it's a distinction. It's a, it's a distinction. It's a distinction. His jacket in their household, which was, of course, an economy, because Jacob's household was an economy. It was, a, it was a perpetuating economy with all their wealth. He's got the jacket. Now, here's what's funny. We're told he has it because he's the son of the woman he loved that he worked seven years as if it was nothing, Rachel. It's, of course, Rachel's gone. She's in eternity. And she died in childbirth with Benjamin, Joseph's younger brother, who's a key player in this story as we go forward in the coming month. Jacob gave Joseph the coat more than likely from the context because he was the link to Rachel. He was the link. You look like your mother. Every time I see you, I see your mother, and I loved your mother. And seven years working for your for uncle Laban was like nothing. I just can't let anything happen to you. You're you're my favorite because you remind me of the of the one woman that was my one true love Rachel so I'm giving you this coat these guys they they wipe out cities they I don't even know what to say about these guys Reuben sleeping with Bill Hyde look here's a coat for you because when you get all these adult kids you realize there's just only so much you can encourage them to do or ask them to do and then you know they're just gonna make decisions and I mean, the ultimate last thing you can do is say, go make it on your own. You want it that way, you pay your way that way. That's pretty much where they cross that line. Oh, you got it all figured out, huh? Okay, well, good luck. Or as they say in Chile, You (laughs) suerte. It's like, yeah. And there was a distinction that Jacob gave. But here's what's important. As much as his earthly father gave him a distinction, he already had a distinction from his heavenly father. Because Joseph is indeed a young man of faith. We know that when he's in Potiphar's house and this powerful woman, most likely an attractive woman because she's married to a captain of the guard, when she makes a move for him, he has self-control over that. He has exactly what his brothers, half-brothers did not have, self-control. We know from the panoramic overview of Joseph's life that he's above reproach. He's just above reproach. There's no accusations. He's a type of Jesus, actually. There's no accusations. He's betrayed by his brothers and revealed to his brothers the second time, like Jesus in Israel. There's a lot of typologies with Joseph, with Jesus, that we'll get into as we go through his life. But as a whole, he was above reproach. When Jacob is prophesying over his children at the end of his life, he describes well Joseph and all the sons prophetically correctly, but he just says Joseph was a fruitful bow, just just fruitful in everything he did. We find in Joseph's life as he goes forward, he finds favor wherever he goes and he prospers wherever he goes. And from his own mouth, he says, how far be it for me to do this thing against the Lord? He had a fear of the Lord and a heart for the Lord. So when we think about the coat being a distinction separating him from the appearance of his brothers, his heart and his life and his faith and his integrity and his character separated him from the distinction of his brothers. He is nothing like his brothers. He is distinct. Not because of the coat, but because of the character. And that coat on him didn't just say, I'm dad's favorite. It really said, I am different. And time and time again, for followers of Christ, we're exhorted to have that distinction. Like the bumper sticker says, not of this world. In this world, but not of this world. And it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing sometimes what that looks like because we're in the world, but we're not of the world. But just know this, he had a distinction. And the greatest distinction isn't a shirt that says like some Christian statement or a church or whatever, anything like that. The greatest distinction is really how we are in the secret and the quiet place. Who we really are with our integrity and our character as a woman, as a man. That's the distinction. See, because the greatness that came to Joseph's life, through Joseph's life, and entrusted to Joseph's life, to the blessings of millions in his timeline, plus generations to come, it really begins with the character of his heart and the integrity of his faith. He was very much set apart and distinct. That code of distinction is an outward testimony of an inward distinction and consecration to the Lord. You can rip the coat off that guy. You can deceive his father with that coat, and you can even rip the next coat off of him like Potiphar's wife did. But the man under that coat is a man of character and integrity and conviction and faith. So you can rip his coats and you can rip them off him, but it doesn't change who he is. And that's why he's headed for greatness, because of his character and who he really is in the secret in the quiet place of the Lord. And that is a great application for you and I tonight. Anything great, truly great, is going to be spiritually great. And anything spiritually great is going to begin with humility, brokenness, and consecration to the Lord. It's, it's going it's to begin with that sanctifying process, that separation. And like I said, we don't need a tunic coming from our earthly father to say, you're different than the other coworkers or the other kids in the family. We need a heart before the Lord that says we belong to the Lord and character counts. And we have conviction. And you can rip my coat off once. And you can, you can rip my coat off as my brother in Israel. And I'm going to be true to who I am. And you can rip my coat off and leave me naked in Egypt. And I'm going to be true to who I am. The tunic. The distinction from the world. We're set apart. We're set apart. When that trumpet sounds, the return of the Lord, there are people going up to be at the Lord and people being left behind. It might be ambiguous and gray to people on planet Earth right now, but it is very clear and distinct. When that trumpet sounds, it only sounds once, it'll be very clear who's the Lord's and who is not. Character counts. Distinction, the code of distinction, is the outward manifestation of what was already clear to Jacob as well, that this kid has a higher standard self govern before the Lord, then I can impose on him or anyone else can impose on him. He makes the right choices because he fears God. And you're going to run my affairs at 17. Look at David. He was the last child in the household. Child number eight, boy number eight. What did, what did God tell Samuel? God doesn't look at the outward like man does. God looks at the heart. Yeah, so let me just say, the bigger you dream, the more important it is to be set apart for spiritual things you can dream big in the world like lots of people do but it just gets left behind but to attempt great things for god and to expect great things from god like william Carey so long ago said the great missionary 200 years ago there there has to be there has to be so i encourage us as we think of 2020 what great things god might what great things have we maybe missed i'm thinking talking to older people now because I, I personally believe in the secret and required place. I've missed some great things with the Lord because I did not set myself apart the way God wanted me to or handle things the way he wanted to. But, you know, the game's not over yet. <laughs> so, hey, we're here. There's still, there's still, this, this one's not, this, this isn't over yet. We're still in the game here. And God can redeem the years of the locust eight, even the swarming locust, which I've been quoting to my sister regularly. She's rebuilding everything of her life. And she's like, where have I been for 20 years? You know, that I'm just now functioning in society the way I can. It's "It's all right. We just can't change that. But we're going forward. It's always forward with the Lord. That consecration. And then we see the dream. It's a big dream. I mean, it's a big dream. But here's the thing about this dream. It's like, oh, I dream of being a doctor someday. Or I dream of being the president. Or I dream of you know, whatever we might dream of, being the world champion and all these things that we think big dreams might be. People like, what's your dream? I like to ask people, what's your dream? Because Luke works at Hyundai now, our son works for Hyundai, he can get all these hookups for the family, which is not the point, but we were driving a Sonata, which is part of the story the other night, and uh, the, the girl with us from the, the car dealership, the Hyundai, in Huntington Beach, we start talking with her, and hey, she's a, a Hispanic girl from Santa Ana, really sweet girl, really enjoyed talking with her, and hey, she graduated college, and she uh, has a major in political science, which was Luke's major in political science. Right? It's pretty cool. I'm like, hey, and Luke works at Hyundai, and you work here, and these things, and, and she was really sharp, and I said, I, I turned around, and I said, what's your dream? I mean, you made it. You're early 20s with a college degree and you're working here and you're the person showing us the car and you got a poly science major I go what's your dream and right away she goes I want to improve immigration in the United States she goes I want to improve the immigration system so it works I said good dream good for you I think of people like Sam Coca, your dad I think of my great grandfather great grandmother coming through Ellis Island good for you good for you See, we need dreams. We need to build people up on their dreams. She said, I've seen injustices and I want to make things better. I go, listen, I'm reading Jeremiah right now and he's talking about all the injustices by the false shepherds. God honors justice and truth and, and doing the right things at the right time. Good for you. See, that's what I mean by dreaming. You know, like that's, you want to build that up, but the Lord has to be over it. But we should dream big dreams. Hey, if your dream is to like, run a car dealership, good for you. But when you see what I said is it's always in you can never go wrong with loving and serving others. So if you put loving and serving others at the top of your dream as to the motive of your dream, you can't go wrong. When I was in Cleveland, someone broke down uh, with me because I was a pastor or whatever in the, in the street. It's a snow flurries and I was saying like my life and this and that and how hard it is and explain all these things. And and I just said, listen. And people are saying, I should divorce. And go they say, oh, let me tell you something. This I know. You can never go wrong with loving and serving others. So whatever you're going to gauge your decisions on, you can never go wrong with loving and serving others. Let that be the compass that guides your decisions. It is always honorable. And it will never go wrong for you from here to eternity. But this dream came from the Lord. See, this div- dream has divine origin. Now, here's this 17-year-old. Like he's, he's, he's a 17-year-old. Dad trusts him with running the company, the family business. He's got the coat. The brother's like, ugh, you know. But they already hated him. They hated him before the dream. Did you catch that? The dream just adds to the hate. They're just, there's jealousy and envy. It's just a human experience from, from the dawn of creation. Cain and Abel, right? God accepts his offer. Doesn't accept his offering. Yeah, I'm going to kill him, you know. It's like nothing new under the sun. This dream has divine origin. It came from the Lord. This dream came from the Lord. And again, as I was mentioning earlier, it connects to Abraham's dream. This dream, when this dream is fulfilled, he will be in Egypt ruling over Egypt. This dream's fulfillment isn't going to happen in the promised land, but it is going to happen. It's not just like going to be a palace in Hebron and Joseph comes out like an Israelite king. Yo, King Joseph in Hebron. No, it doesn't work that way. This dream's going to come to pass, but in a completely different way than anyone could have ever thought at that time whatsoever. Now, Abraham, his grand, uh, great grandfather, Abraham, would have had a concept because he's one that had the vision of the first place where they go to a faraway land Joseph's dream is connected to Abraham's dream because this dream is going to be fulfilled in the faraway land and it's reflective of the prosperity and the blessings that will be upon his life, Joseph, in the faraway land. He'll later say, God brought me here, though you made it for evil, but for the saving of many. He is now connecting to the previous generations of the promise and of the covenant through a dream from the Lord. That's pretty awesome. Which makes us think of Psalm thirty-seven, four: Delight yourself in the Lord, and He'll give you desires of your heart. As we seek the Lord, as we keep the Lord first, He will give us visions. He will give us dreams. He'll give us insight. He'll give us a burden, and we'll think, "Wow, you know." I prayed with someone a couple of weeks ago, and they're like, "And they were, they were older, older than me." And and I said, "Well, what's next in life?" just like, "Oh, I don't even want to say it. it's it's so exciting." But I just I'm just you know I'm like, "Well, listen, dream big with the Lord, and let's pray for it right now." Because God's not done until he's done. Elevate the dream. Elevate the expectation. My sister and I have this thing going on right now. Because, again, she, she's been, you know, she lived on the streets. and she's in a halfway house. She's about to get her own place. And she, didn't, she couldn't drive public transportation for years. She's got her license restored. Everything was expunged for her on Friday. Praise the Lord. No more criminal charges against her. She goes, I can work for the government. I'm like, do you really want to? But, um, <laughs> but she said, yeah, great benefits. So, okay, fair enough. You know, I, I'm with you. But we've been using this term like, it's an upgrade. Barbie, it's an upgrade. When you're walking with the Lord, you get an upgrade. Now, you might get thrown in the pit like Joseph, which will be our final point in a moment, but ultimately, it's an upgrade. It's a character upgrade. It's it's an upgrade. The Lord is an upgrade. He's he's upgrading your life. This is you, son of Adam, daughter of Eve. This is you in Christ, by the Holy Spirit, (laughs) becoming like Jesus. That is an upgrade from here to eternity. But it's like, oh, uh, when I finally get to drive, I don't, I'm not even sure how to get to work, I'll follow the bus. Either way, you're driving and it's an upgrade. It's an upgrade. Dream dreams with the Lord that are an upgrade. See a better future for the kingdom and for the next generation than what people talk down and beat down on the next generation. See an upgrade. It, it, wherever I go, I just want to tell people, expand your vision Grow your faith. Loving and serving. But look upon the next generation and see an upgrade. See a better future for them because there's no reason to believe they can't have a better future because Jesus is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. An upgrade. I look at my kids and I want to see bigger dreams and greater things for them than anything I ever got to accomplish in my life or or with my wife, what she's accomplished. The kingdom is upgrades, but it's spiritual upgrades for eternal purposes, lost souls, sanctified lives, and the kingdom for all eternity. It's a big dream. Because in the culture of order, no one's bowing down to him. They all bow down to Reuben. He already said, I'm the, I'm the next guy. I've got Bilhah and this and that. It's not how it works in God's kingdom. You can't by the flesh upgrade the, the role and the responsibilities and the calling of God. They're spiritual and they're advanced spiritually through humility and service and the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's his destiny, and God's tipping the cards on his destiny. It's a big dream, and we need to dream bigger dreams because we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And whatever he's calling us to do, he's going to equip us to get it done. And you're like, oh, this is so out of my wheelhouse. This is so beyond me. Fine. Attempt great things. Expect great things from God. This dream is his destiny. This dream is from God. And let haters hate. And let conspirers conspire. But don't lose the vision. And don't lose the dream. Hold fast those promises. And the things that God is doing. And finally we see. So we have the tunic of distinction. We have the dream of divine uh, origin. And it's big. Way bigger. Just yeah. And think about Jacob too, saying, Will your mother and I bow down to you like do we bow down? To you? Actually, you will. Oh, <laughs> well, Joseph's gonna save the entire state. So drop the knee now and get a preview of coming attractions. Yes, you will. You will bow the knee. He's gonna save everything everything you're worried about out there in the field, he's gonna save it all. he's gonna save your lives. And he's going to be used by God to give you a different perspective on life. Because remember, when Jacob gets to Pharaoh, he goes, few and evil have been my days, but then the 17 years in Egypt, he has a change of heart and basically says, the Lord's been good to me and has been with me in all the way. And it's through his one son's faithfulness that brought about those things, that triggered those things for his growth in his life. But yeah, Jacob, you, even you will bow down to Joseph. But then there's the pit. In the pit, what can you do? Again, like I shared, those that soar most high with the Lord often descend to the deepest depths with the Lord. You go so high and you go so low. You see these high things and then God's got to humble you and, and, and bring you down. He's got to let you go through hardship so you don't boast in yourself. Look what Paul the apostle went through. All the things that he saw and he goes, I, I know of a man, and he, you know, he'd always talk about himself in the second person that way, but he was so buffeted He took so many literal beatings and he had pain and all these things that afflicted him so he could be used of God to not be puffed up from the revelation of God and the greatness of how God was working in his life. And where there's a a great destiny and a great entrusting of, of power and authority and influence, there has to be a great breaking that precedes it. There has to be a grinding so the confidence on that day of greatness is not in oneself, but in the God in whom that oneself serves. And we will see with Joseph that in his faithfulness in the prison, he went from the prison to the palace in one day. Being faithful in a prison to being number two and having the plan to save the nation in one day. He changes garments in one day. The grinding. David, before he became king, all those visions and all those victories and then just the grinding, the grinding and the breaking and the making of a man of God. There's so many books written on the life of David because it's such a testimony that if you're going to be king, you're going to get, you're going to get grinded and you're going to get prepared for those things. We, God doesn't have shallow leaders leading in greatness. He has people that have been taught great depth through suffering, through afflictions, through trials and tribulations. And that's why we're told time and time again in the Bible, and specifically in the New Testament, through many afflictions we must inherit the kingdom of God, through many tribulations, and many of the afflictions of the righteous. Because God allows them to transform us, to shift our confidence in, like, I can do it, to that the Lord has to do it. And one looked no farther than Moses himself, who at 40 thought he would deliver the people of Israel from the bondage that would come many generations after this, that he can do this. And then he realized he couldn't do it. And he was so beaten down after a second 40 years at the age of 80, when God appears to him at the burning bush, he's like, man, you got the wrong guy. Just it's all, no. 40 years in the wilderness as a fugitive of Egypt, broke him. And then the next 40 years, when he led God's people, he was a broken man. Now, he did get frustrated with things, but he was used, and he wasn't vindictive. Like, that's all part of the process. So soar high and dream big, and don't despise the pit, because it is in the pit where what's really has to come out of us comes out of us. It's in the pit where we find out who we really are, And it's in the pit we'll really become who we're meant to be. And it's like Moab. God said through the Old Testament prophets of Moab, he hasn't been poured out. His dregs are still in him. You have to be poured out from vessel to vessel because you've got to get it out. So what God does in our life, he pours us out from this pit to that pit to this pit to that pit to this pit to that pit because he's got to get the dregs out. Each time we're poured out from one pit to another, there's less of us and there's more of him. There's less of the flesh and there's more of the spirit. Each crushing affliction of life, whether it's the death and loss of loved ones or legal disputes that that have bad endings or even good endings because most most of them have bad endings even when they're a good ending. It just whatever it might be, the job you didn't get, the the things that worked against you because you're a woman, because you're white, because you're black, because you're brown, because you speak English second language or because you speak English first language. All the things that we can make excuses about Instead of just saying, Lord, here I am and you're over my universe and you're pouring me out from vessel to vessel and that's all that matters is that nothing can come unless it comes from the Lord, John the Baptist said. And we receive this and we embrace this and we're gonna grow through this and we're gonna get better for it because there's greatness right around the corner. And the greatness isn't always bigger and better. The greatness is you and me more like Jesus. Loving, serving, forgiving, and building real equity. Estate equity gets distributed right away and usually gets squandered in a short period of time. Lotteries are won and the money's lost and mishandled. People are broke again in a year. Real equity is purity, suffering, and forgiveness. From vessel to vessel. That's what God's doing with Joseph. He's just preparing him for great things around the corner. And you know what? Your afflictions and trials and tribulations, don't despise them because God's preparing you for greater things around the corner. So take it like a woman of God. Take it like a man of God and say, here I am, Lord, your servant. Let's just keep going forward. Make me more like Jesus. Amen.